Hello and welcome to The New Conspiracist, the podcast that, as you know, throws open the mysteries and wonders of the world of online conspiracies and tanks it up with a bit of intellectual weight from my friend James Ball and some entertaining fluff from me, Jolly and Rubenstein. James, how are you, my friend? Sir, I'm, I'm not too bad, but uh, I've heard a dark and disturbing rumour, Joel. What's that? I've heard this might be the last of our current series. Mate, it is true. We have come to the end of the first series. And I think there has been unconfirmed reports that this has been shut down by the NSA and Mossad in a joint venture with the uh, ISI. Is, is that is that is that the case? Is that still what we're saying? So uh, I, I have also heard those uh, unconfirmed reports, which makes it double-sourced and therefore publishable. So the podcast they tried to shut down. If you want a second series of The New Conspiracist, you've got to give us a five-star review. You've got to send it to your racist Nan, you know I like going on about this every week, but you've got to tweet this out. It's been amazing though, right? I mean, we've had 5G, we've had Avril Lavigne. How could we possibly top that for the finale, do you think? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit worried about this episode. I just, mm. you know, maybe we've run out of conspiracies. Maybe there's no mystery left in the world. You know, are we, are we just putting it? Should we have stopped at 11? We should have stopped at 11. Do you know what we need? We need someone who's been to North Korea, someone who's met Putin, someone who's called Trump a prick to his face. You've, you've set expectations too high. That person just, they can't exist, surely. Yes, do they? There's only one man for the job, and that has to be Mr. Formerly TV's, now podcasts, John Sweeney. How are you, superstar? I'm um, I'm very well, uh, Julian. Hi, J- um, hi James. Uh, by the way, I also, I think I should say from the get-go, uh, you're talking about a human being. I have been to North Korea and I have challenged Putin and I have challenged Trump. But also, I'm not really a human. I'm a shape-shifting. I, I mean, I mean, you know, John worked at the BBC for many years. I've, I've long assumed he was a shape-shifting reptile. I just didn't think it was polite to say it to his face. You have had an absolutely outrageously massive podcast smash called Hunting... Um, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Giz, Giz, Gislaine. I, I can never say her name properly. Hunting Gislaine. I call her Julen. I call Julen. her Julen. Okay, well, yeah. Hunting Julen. Were you expecting it to be such a sort of tour de force? I mean, it's been unbelievable. I'm an arrogant prick. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the honest answer is no. What's really annoying, uh, for two weeks, I was number one, uh, Hunting Julen was number one um, on the Apple uh, UK podcast chart. And then the, the problem with that is that if you get to like this stuff, then you, you kind of got well, so that's my slot. James, we've had 5G, we've had Avril Lavigne, we've had Princess Diana. So this, this week's got to be what? Is it JFK? Is it the moon landings? What, what is this week's topic? So, well, you know, this, this is one of those that depends how you think about it, could sound completely outlandish. Um, you know, we have talked about with QAnon, were the elites sort of covering up dark sexual crimes, blackmailing each other in need of being exposed? And, you know, in QAnon, Nikki Wolf told us generally that wasn't the case. Mm. Well, this week we're asking, eh, 
what if there's an exception? And so this week we want to talk all conspiracies, Jeffrey Epstein. So oh, Jeffrey Epstein. I've heard of that guy. What does he do? Were people helping him? What's the deal with him, Princess Andrew, and, you know, certain mid-market uh, pizza chains? <laughs> so why is it always pizza? It's always pizza, man. It's always, always pizza. And we had, um, I mean, this is... I mean, I think it's fair to say during lockdown, this became a global obsession, didn't it? I mean, it would, it would, it was always a story. If you were kind of like a political geek, this was always kind of skirting. But then that Netflix series came on, and it just, well, it, it just, it became torrential. So, what, what are James the sort of core elements? Because there are so many conspiracies, aren't there, concerning Epstein? So we should stress this is quite a real and quite a dark tale. Um, whatever whatever bits of this we believe or don't believe, they they very much seem to be real human victims in this one. And Epstein's one of these people who was rich without anyone being very sure why he was rich, um, which itself tends to provoke some suspicion. But essentially got known as a bit of a friend to the stars fixer to the stars, man who knew everyone. You know, much has been made of his little black book, some copies of which um, sort of at various levels have confirmed have leaked on the internet. But um, Epstein, there had been allegations circling around him for absolutely years that he was involved in raping underage girls and procuring girls and young women for other famous people. Um, I actually helped break the story in 2015 that one of these now women had um, planted a lawsuit in the US, which was very rapidly after that sealed, but alleged that um, she had uh, been introduced by Epstein to Prince Andrew and flown with them on private jets and that they'd abused her. Um, and this is sometimes you hear stories like this, and sadly, it's from people who aren't well and are fantasizing or are just trying to get famous in some sick way. She had photographic evidence of herself with both Prince Andrew and Epstein. Mm. Now, eventually, prosecution started to close in on Epstein after years and years of nothing happening. But we were just starting to get to where his properties had been raided. People were starting to see, well, where's his money from? Has he been blackmailing people after setting up sort of things for them? Was he actually managing their wealth? What was the extent of his crime and his abuse? And then he died in jail, in a very mm. high security jail where usually you would be on round the clock watch and it wouldn't be doable. And for that reason, a lot of people have asked a lot of questions around that too. So not, it's all very dark, but we have mystery after mystery after mystery when it comes to uh, Mr. Epstein. John, this is obviously a story that, you know, you were following for quite a while, you know, before you started even doing the podcast. What, what was your first kind of encounter with it? I covered the Romanian Revolution in 1989. Um, and... Um, um, and on Christmas Eve 1989, I drove across Romania and then I saw, I'd been to Romania once before in 1985 and I, I saw the terrible damage 
that Ceausescu had done to Romania, and um, and um, I was working for the Observer at the time, and I covered the revolution and I thought I'm going to write a book about this and very quickly I I got into the uh, the various Western neutral idiots who had gone along with Ceausescu as being some kind of goodie and right at the top of that list is Robert Maxwell mm. who, um, who wrote these vanity essentially who, whose publishing company Pergamon Press published vanity books about these ghastly Eastern European dictators Honecker, Todorovkov in Bulgaria and Nicolae Ceausescu in Romania and I can remember the, vividly there's the question um, about Robert Maxwell, Gilen's father, um, uh, from Robert Maxwell to Ceausescu. Um, president Ceausescu, you've been president of uh, Romania for 17 years. What's the secret of your success? There's no mention of the secret police, the Securitate. Hmm. So from, from essentially from that moment, 1989 onwards, I've been fascinated in... Robert Maxwell's dark place in uh, British and European history. Mm. Uh, and, and he named his yacht um, um, after his youngest daughter, the apple of his eye, uh, the Lady Gillem. And I wanted, I can remember when I was on the Observer, I can remember an, uh, an Observer editor editorial conference that happened after a brilliant BBC panorama on Maxwell in 1991 in the summer. I said, can we, you know, I'd really like to do, um, you know, a proper investigation into Robert Maxwell. And the look on the face of the editor, Donald Trelford, it was like, it was, it was as if I really was a shape-shifting lizard. I mean, cause it's fairly difficult to, 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 to remember, but back then, I mean, he was, he was an untouchable in the kind of Rupert Murdoch mold, wasn't he? Well, no, Rupert Murdoch. So I've been rude about Rupert Murdoch in print, and it was easy. Rupert Murdoch is a terrifying monster, but you can actually be rude about him, and nothing will happen to you. Uh, Robert Maxwell was a terrifying, a terrifying monster, and he would, um, he would, he would, he would sue you again and again and again. And mm. The people who are heroic about this uh, were uh, people at Private Eye. First off, uh, Richard Ingram's, then his successor in Hitlop, and um, um, running around doing all the fielding, uh, Francis Ween. They were great on this. So anyway, so Maxwell dies, he falls off his yacht, there's a conspiracy theory about that, but let's mm. get on Epstein. And what happens is, and this is the subject of my podcast, Hunting Chilean, that essentially... She, her father dies, and Jelen Maxwell um, loses one monster who had formed and deformed her for her entire adult life up to that point. She's 29. When he falls off his yacht, was he pushed or did he jump? Um, we don't know for sure to this day. My view is that he jumped because he knew the wolves were after him. Mm -hmm. He's stealing um, from his companies to, to keep up his uh, share price. He couldn't face the ignominy and that they would come for him. Um, but anyway, she loses one monster. She goes to Manhattan and falls into the arms of a second monster, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sort of, it's territory that's such rich fodder for usually where you start to get to 
quite detached from reality conspiracy theories because you know you see people who look for weird patterns they'll look for repeats of names or bizarre stuff that happens again um as if you know the whole world works like the da vinci code and bad guys always leave big clues there and yet you've got two very very real scandals you know maxwell's crimes were quite vicious it wasn't that he ripped off banks or the city he stole from the pension funds of the people who worked for him and people were completely ruined by it for their old ages or for their ill health Mm. and of course the the boat he fell or jumped off you know his own slightly mysterious death no one got to is then named after the daughter who became a key fixer in this whole separate scandal that ends in someone dying in slightly mysterious circumstances. It's it's odd just how much this one has all the feelings of what are usually much less grounded conspiracies, isn't it? I think it? that's what's been so interesting about doing this series is that you you realise that there are certain instances. I mean, we we had an episode, you know, quite a while ago when we were talking about, you know, the realities of how Trump was intending to steal the election and, and after recording he did just that, and he, he 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 and he continues to this day, as of uh, the time of recording, to to insist that you know on his victory. Similarly with Epstein, I think the utterly terrifying reality of this sort of pyramid scheme that he managed to set up, where one juvenile delinquent after another was really, um, you know, uh, sort of primed and um, groomed to use their own social network to bring more and more people in. And also the realities of how impossible it was for local law enforcement to penetrate the sort of higher echelons of this kind of elite ring are what give so many horrendous conspiracy theories like Pizzagate, you know, like QAnon, so much fire. Do do you think that's accurate, John? Well, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, let's talk about Jeanne Maxwell. Uh, She's accused of six six crimes, six charges against her. She denies all of them. She denies uh, any wrongdoing. Her family are behind her. Um, and we haven't heard the trial will happen in the United States in New York in July 2021. And the game isn't over until we've heard the defense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is all alleged, isn't it? Ultimately. Having said that, my own view is the evidence against her is compelling. It's damning. That is my personal view. But the evidence is damning, but I don't know what the defence is. I can, I can, I can make a guess at it, but um, she denies it. The second thing is that um, the, the women uh, uh, that Epstein liked. And, and by the way, so we're all clear about this. What happens is that in uh, let me get to the point quickly. The women Epstein liked weren't delinquents. As a, as a rule, uh, some of them may have been, but they were 14, 15, 16, and he liked them innocent. He liked them, he liked commonly for them to be poor white blondes with no tattoos who were um, just post pubescent, sometimes in braces, n- more child than woman, but, but, but post pubescent. Um, and um, I've, um, 
spoken to I, I found the Netflix um, uh, filthy rich thing too in I and this is a personal take I didn't like the way that particular uh, documentary went into um, the um, the sexualized massages again and again and again mm. But these most of these girls didn't know what they were getting into, and um, had they, they didn't understand. Now, it's completely different if you know before you go somewhere that you're ending up giving a sexualized massage to somebody because essentially you're being asked to be a prostitute. Now, that is one thing. But to go and not realize when you're 14, 15, or 16 what's about to happen to you, that's different. That's different. And then there's a kind of weird and unpleasant suggestibility. Now, um, one of the, so Prince Andrew, who uh, let's remember denies any wrongdoing too, I put a tweet out uh, this morning saying his Royal Highness, uh, Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, and then I listed all his. Um, his, um, his decorations and then denies any wrongdoing. But he does deny any wrongdoing. Now, um, Virginia roberts Dufresne says um, she was required to have sex uh, with this guy. And there's something slightly cultish about this world. So everybody, all the big players um, that you've heard of, and they also include... Uh, former President Bill Clinton, and I like saying this, former President, or uh, soon-to-be former President Donald Trump, they all deny wrongdoing. But they are in a place where they're hanging around with this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, when him and Ghislaine were in their pomp and around 2000, rather too much. No one's ever said, no one's ever said that Bill Clinton and Donald Trump are naive. So the, what, what's weird about this is that I I did I agree with your general take about conspiracy theories that they which I think is well anyway this is my take on conspiracy theories is there there are a moment where people in in my experience, who are not very well connected, who are not very well educated, who are not very well off, like to join the dots as we all do and join too many dots. And then you have an entire overarching picture, which explains everything. And that's not the way the world works. Mm. What's weird and disturbing and a bit frightening about this story is this is, this is where all this, well, this is my own personal opinion is it could be true mm. that the conspiracy... Or, now, what was happening here, this is the, uh, the the case, if you like, for the prosecution, that Jeffrey Epstein was using sex and using his, um, his money um, to provide... You know, if you went to a Jeffrey Epstein party back in the day, uh, this was a picture of him and um, Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago um, and Ep anyway, Epstein parties, beautiful women, not 14, 15, 16 year olds. They're behind the curtain. You don't see those. They're not there. The women are 23, 24, 25, but they're beautiful. They're Victoria's Secret mm. uh, models. There's a relationship, um, a big, serious financial relationship between um, this maths teacher. He was a maths teacher, Epstein, to begin with, mm. Paul. 
um, comes from um, um, the rubbish bit of Brooklyn, um, which is um, Coney Island to the left of it. Really, quite a long way. You know, as further as way you can get uh, from Manhattan as possible, and be in Brooklyn. And he he's very clever. And he's very, very manipulative. And one of the people he manipulates is a guy called Les Wexner, who's the Victoria's Secrets boss. Um, and what he does, Les Wexner, is sign over power of attorney to Epstein. So he's got complete control of the guy's finances. And, and Wexner's a seriously rich man, isn't he? This this is not someone with a billion or two in his back pocket. He, he's worth three or four billion. Wow. Um, and Wexner signs, gives him power of attorney when he's 53. Like, and, and the, um, so, we, uh, you know, uh, young people listening, um, uh, my mum did this um, to our family when she was like 85. That's when you do this before, you know, when you realize, when you fear that you're losing your marbles. Les Wexner did it when he was um, in, in central central middle age uh, it's an astonishing thing and so where does epstein get his money from there are a whole series of conspiracy theories he was a spy for mossad um he was he was doing stuff for the cia by the way i'm not ruling any of those things out and there's some interesting information about that but essentially Epps, um, les wexner said shortly before epstein died in prison hey um i was robbed by uh, Jeffrey Epstein of millions of pounds, millions of dollars, and I regret ever meeting him. Because mm. Wex, like, Wex is still alive, isn't he? He's like, this was a long time ago. This was 20, 30 years ago, and he's still a mogul. He's still this incredibly wealthy person, yet was pretty much the only person we know about that Epstein definitely kind of got money from and got rich from, and he forged his he forged his documents, didn't he? He just he just lied about the the academic qualifications that he had to even attain the job. And I think you know, in, in numerous interviews that I've seen with him, he just talks about this absolutely magnetic presence, this arch manipulation. And, and John, you know, from people that you know, I'm not going to name them, but people I know who I've actually spoken to who 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 actually claim to have attended, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, some of these parties in New York. It's exactly as you said. It was horse trading for sexual favors on an epic scale. And we're not talking about, as you said, underage models here. We're talking about extremely good-looking, socialite, often some form of, because, you know, this was the time of the burgeoning reality star. This was the beginning of that era. And he was, he was just currying favor after favor, wasn't he? That was really his entire sort of game. Yes. So the, the question is, was he a blackmailer? Mm. And I think the answer to that is yes, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll say why. So there is a um, um, a lovely um, woman called Maria Farmer. I've never met her, but um, she's um, she's a woman of quality, uh, if I can use that phrase. Mm. 
um, which is not. Uh, I'm distinguishing her from the from the poor white 14, 15, 16 year olds yeah. in Florida. She's a different kind of person. She comes across as extremely, uh, extremely powerful, doesn't she? She 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 has a very different quality to the other people who seem to have been involved in this. But she's lovely and a good person, and I th- there is something. Um, and anyway, having said that, Maria Farmer, um, she's an artist and she says that she was uh, sexually assaulted by Epstein and, um, um, and Julaine yeah. in Ohio in 96. And the same thing happened to her sister who was taken to Epstein's incredibly remote, um, and isolated ranch called Zorro in New Mexico and she goes to New Mexico um, on the plane with them and then they they jump on her there. Uh, Jelaine uh, Maxwell denies it, denies any wrongdoing. Now, weirdly, I have been to that part of New Mexico um, about, there's something, it's about 80, 100 miles away is the place I've been to and um, it's the Scientology base in New Mexico, where L. Ron Hubbard's um, words have been um, put in vaults sealed with argon. Um, um, And and I went, there's a video of it, of me, uh, for my, I I put it online um, to uh, publish, uh, to promote my book about Scientology, The Church Affair, where I go to this Scientology base in the middle of fucking nowhere in New Mexico and press the button. And I'm 62 years of age, and this is the second most creepiest place I've been to apart from North Korea. Wow. Um, So that for a 16-year-old girl to go up the road to Epstein's Ranch, it's incredibly isolating. Mm. The reason I'm setting this out is simple, is that there are people who were in that circuit who, who say there's manipulation, there is some kind of sexual blackmail going on. There is isolation. And it felt like a cult. Mm. And so now the, what, what, what you don't have with, um, with Epstein, the world of Epstein, the church of Epsteinology, you do not have a whole bunch of suckers on their knees handing over money for some ideological gibberish. Because he doesn't need that, because he's got less. He's got power of attorney over four billion dollar man Les Wexner. Yeah, he never did the charismatic public sort of cult leader thing at all, did he? This is sort of he's always been the person behind the the curtain, hasn't he? But, but he's he but he was. There's a video which people should look up in '92. Trump at Mar-a-Lago. There's a TV camera, and um, coming at um. Um, um, I think there's a bunch of um, women in 92 dancing, trying to catch Trump's eye. And Trump is sort of ogling them like the ogre he is. And then Epstein arrives. Mm. And, and then suddenly everything flips. And then Trump goes over to Epstein, who's a smaller man, um, and... It's as if Epstein is the real master, and Trump is is 
It's the, it's the second, you know, who's no longer the alpha male. Well, he's really fawning over him, isn't he? He's, he there's, a, there's a real sense of a kind of, uh, sort of almost like a maitre d' quality to the, to the encounter. Yes, yes, and it's weird. And in the background is Yolaine Maxwell, who doesn't like Roberts because she's hiding from her father's dark legacy. And, and she, and, and, but you can see her for a brief moment, a beautiful woman, her eyes are glitter, and then she kind of uh, stands behind somebody and she's gone. And th- th- it's a fascinating moment. So, so I think that um, Epstein, uh, and by the way, the other thing that Maria Farmer said was that in 96, she was a receptionist. She was a painter, uh, poor and throw, well, not sorry, she she was from, a, um, I think, a middle-class family, um, but she was trying to make her way in Manhattan, and she was working, a re- uh, she got a job as a receptionist in, um, in the mansion, Epstein's mansion in Manhattan. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Chandra's sort of a, an interesting thing on this. I'd like to sort of pick up with you, which is we see satanic panics or QAnon now or variations of this, you know, the allegations made through Exaro by Nick himself now in prison for child sex offences. Um, uh, sorry for watching material relating to that. And the conspiracies tend to be incredibly elaborate. There's usually dozens of murders or ritual and, you know, tunnels underground and secret rooms. What seems to strike me with things like Epstein um, or even sort of other famous cases of abuse is they tend to be horribly mundane, don't they? They hide in plain sight and it just sort of seems to be Everyone mutters about them and everyone knows things about them for years and years and years until it's actually brought to the light and someone goes, hey, this thing that kind of was obvious and just in the corner of your Mm -hmm. eye was there all along. Like, this is what a celebrity trafficking ring looks like. You know, obviously, which individuals are involved, which weren't, that's a matter for relevant authorities, people deny involvement, etc. Just knowing him wasn't a side of guilt, but it it doesn't sort of work like the conspiracy theorists think it does, does it? No. Um, but, but what you had, though, was a cult, like Scientology, they say I'm a bigot, I say it's a cult. Um, they have an insurance policy. They go out and buy an insurance policy. And what they do is um, they get, uh, this is what ex-members say, they get people like John Travolta and uh, Tom Cruise um, as their ambassadors to say, actually, this isn't um, um, that bad because, look, they're all these Hollywood stars, they're getting something out of it, and that's an insurance policy. So uh, the allegation against the world of Jeffrey Epstein, of which Jalem was a part, she denies any wrongdoing, was that by hobnobbing with the likes of 
former President Bill Clinton, President-to-be Donald Trump, and the second son of the Queen of England, Prince Andrew, that they were buying some kind of cover from scrutiny, that when law enforcement went knocking on the, the door of the Epstein mansion, um, they didn't, uh, they, there was a lot of, uh, they had to get their evidence pretty damn good because they knew some famous people, this, this strange couple, Epstein, and Gillian Maxwell. And I think there's some truth in that. Um, but um, this isn't a very complicated thing. So uh, what Maria Farmer says in 96, that she was taken into a room, and in the room, uh, remember the technology back in 96, if you're um, uh, old enough to remember that far back. But basically, it's, it's videos, it's sort of TV monitors, linking to CCTV, and what she says is she could see in real time toilets, massage tables, bedrooms. And she said to herself, I don't want to go to the toilet in this place ever again. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's a single little detail which I want to share with you, which is super creepy. And not really, anyway, I'm going to share it with you. Uh, going into the mansion, um, the walls are covered with glass eyes which were manufactured by a British company for blinded Tommies who'd lost their eyes in the First World War. So the first, the very first thing you see as you go in are these, this wall of eyes. And you don't have to know the backstory about the Tommies. But that is horrible and creepy. And what it is, is that Epstein is putting people, and you can watch it because I'm, I'm damn sure there would be a video of people coming in you can watch their fear when they see all these eye- these glass eyes, these glass um, prosthetic eyeballs. And they could, you could, you know, if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 22, fucking hell, I'm, I'm 62, I'd see that. I'd go, that's, I was, was going to say, that would freak me out. Then. And also, it's sort of terrifying. It gives you that impression that no one will believe what happens after or you're leaving reality behind, doesn't it? It's quite good at throwing people out of their usual rhythm, which is a good time to take advantage of them. So so to be honest, anybody in my book, anybody who goes into that mansion and sees those eyeballs and doesn't go, what the fuck is this, you sick fucker, is wrong. Epstein did have a, um, a perversive desire, not for children, but for 14, 15, 16-year-olds. By the way, to be fair to them, as far as I know, there are, there are none of the victims have made a complaint that they were sexually abused, the 14, 15, 16-year-olds, by Donald Trump or Bill Clinton. And there's this great or rather sinister quote from uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, that was from Donald Trump, in which he says, I think that um, uh, uh, Epstein's a great guy, and it's been said that he likes beautiful women almost as much as I do, even though some of them are on the younger side. Oh, so, President Trump, so what, did, gross. what did you know and when did you know it? Um, it's a question. It's a question. But... He's not, no one complains about him. So I think what might be happening or concerned in any wrongdoing is that Epstein provides an atmosphere and space for these very powerful men to have 
um, sex with beautiful women who who are consenting adults, and then and then behind the curtain he's doing his own private thing. Mm. But what that does is it buys it buys him um, some shield from scrutiny, or it makes it harder for the authorities to scrutinise them because look at his friends. They're almost kind of there as patsies who can sort of say, well, I didn't see anything bad, but they end up worried about their reputation by association. And yeah. so and, and everyone starts kind of going, oh, is this really worth the candle? So I don't think um, that Bill Clinton, who famously had sex with Monica Lewinsky, who was um, uh, 22, 23, she's a beautiful woman, but she's a grown-up looking woman. I don't think that either Trump or Clinton ever had sex with an underage girl, but there is no evidence and none of the victims have ever said that. The problem is that they've got into positions where they're compromised in terms of their relationship. So does Bill want Hillary to know what he got up to? Does Bill want the world to know what he got up to? Which is nothing like, it's not underage girls, it's just women he shouldn't be shagging. And that's that's very human, and I understand it. The allegation is that Epstein kind of weaponized that. Now, as I said, all concerned deny any wrongdoing, and I'm not accusing either Trump or Clinton of doing anything illegal at all. I'm not accusing them. I'm alerting your listeners to the possibility that they were in some marginal way compromised in a way that um, they didn't feel very bad about at the time, but wouldn't want their loved ones to see what they'd been up to. That's powerful. It's, it's quite a clever bit of mm. low-key reputation laundering, isn't it? I, th I think I think you know. While you know, we're quite a long way into the pod. I think we have to touch on the sort of key and, in fact, final event of Epstein's life, which was, of course, dying in prison. Now, a lot of people, including people I know who really don't usually go for conspiracies at all, this sort of almost. People, you know, including a lot of people in journalism, will just go, "Yeah, there's no way that was suicide, was it?" They just seem to have completely written it off and I, I wonder where you sit John you know why why and how do you think he died so the, the case of the prosecution Jeffrey Epstein was murdered inside um, prison is as follows three four things I think should have happened didn't happen one of which was he was on suicide watch so therefore, he's facing life. He's facing the rest of his life in prison um, for a terrible fucking series of crimes. Basically, he should have had a cellmate. There, sh uh, uh, there, um, there wasn't one. There should have been CCTV. Three separate CCTV ca cameras weren't working. Um, the um, prison guards should have, uh, the screws in English slang should have checked up on him every half an hour. They didn't. And uh, crucially, there's something called the the high ode bone, which is just behind the Adam's apple, high ode bone. And this um, was broken. And this 
according to a guy called Dr. Baden, who was a forensic pathologist hired by Epstein's brother um, to investigate um, the death of his brother. This is associated with murder, not suicide. Wow. So it's on there's a clip on fox uh, and friends so there are four things happened and that points in the view of many including donald trump conclusively to jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself mm. i mean that is that is a very very powerful argument isn't it i mean also just simple access to the cell and the lack of cctv surely is enough to raise gigantic questions at a facility such as that isn't it or am i just being too simplistic until you until you start looking at the general maintenance of the U.S. prison estate, the general staffing of the U.S. prison estate, um, and it's one of these where if you assume that they have a functioning justice but system, Jamesy, where this isn't just people, the normal, you know, this isn't like city run by Joe Alpeo on the fucking cheap. This is like, yeah, but this this is this is what I mean. They are shit. This prison was notoriously shit at following anything and so you do get this situation where you could go yeah but the whole point of these places to do that it's like mm. yeah and they suck at it um and so the the big thing for me on when i look at whether someone is more trouble alive or dead is i think epstein was much more trouble dead than alive to almost everyone who backed him he was doing well at keeping secrets. He could delay all sorts of searches, all sorts of things alive. I think the chaos and the unraveling and the investigations go better with Epstein dead than alive. And so for me, the kind of who benefits thing has never quite led me to thinking it's murder. I mean, things I have wondered is whether some guards were slipped some money to be looking the wrong way or to not transfer someone, but that could be investigated. But I just don't tend to think, given I tend to be with John on, the biggest names associated with Epstein were facing embarrassment, but not ruin. I don't see who had the big advantage. And of course, if we did see who it was, we would be very stupid for legal reasons to say, oh no, X. But I tend to lean on the side of, I think it was suicide, but maybe, maybe with a guard or with someone up, up the chain, bunged a bit of money um, to enable so it. Can I make the, um, the case for the defence or the opposite? Please, please uh, do. My first yeah. witness is my uh, Anjolian's great friend, Chris Atkins, who um, was a Panorama producer, a freelance uh, BBC Panorama producer, and he ended up in prison, as I think most BBC Panorama producers, in my experience, should have done. But unusually, uh, Chris um, wanted to make a feature-length documentary, got in bed with the wrong kind of people, and he ended up being sentenced for five years in prison um, for... Um, uh, for tax fraud and went to Wandsworth Prison um, for eight months and wrote a, a brilliant and very, very funny book, which I completely recommend called A Bit of a Stretch. And I asked Chris, so Donald Trump says, um, I, um, maybe, maybe, um, 
he didn't uh, commit suicide. But Donald Trump hasn't been to prison, at least not yet. But Chris, my friend, has. And he says, I said, do you find it surprising that nothing worked in prison? The CCTV, the, 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 the other prisoner in the cell, the guards doing their thing. And he said, no, none of that surprises me. Nothing works in prisons. And he's talking about a British prison, but the same thing applies. And in spades, because... Um, in any expensive city like London or New York, the job of being a prison guard, a prison a screw in English English, is is badly paid, and it's really badly paid given uh, given the cost of transport and um, and uh, finding somewhere to live in um, in Manhattan or um, or uh, or London. So Chris does not find it at all weird that the CCTV doesn't work. The New York Times has reported that there were pools, stagnant pools of piss and shit in this prison where Epstein was. So the idea that the CCTV works, that's completely standard. That's the American prison system. The British one too. Number two, um, that the um, uh, there wasn't a cellmate um, administrative incompetence is the heart and soul of Chris Atkinson's book, A Bit of a Stretch. So Chris has been to a real-world prison says, um, stuff doesn't work all the time. The kit doesn't work. That's completely understandable. The, 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 um, uh, so the cameras are down, doesn't work. That's completely understandable. But there isn't a prison, uh, another cellmate i.e. another prisoner looking over the guy so he doesn't kill himself, completely understandable, a normal cock-up. That the um, guards don't check up, Chris says this, prison culture is very strong, and in his prison in Wandsworth, he saw moments when prison officers wouldn't do suicide watch for people um, uh, suspected or convicted of uh, uh, sex crimes against children because they wanted the paedophile to die. Wow. Now, folks, is not a conspiracy theory. This is a reality theory of somebody who's been inside a prison, i.e. that the guards don't care because they don't like this man because of what he's been accused of. Fourth point. The hyoid bone, Mr. Dr. Baden, the pathologist um, hired by um, Epstein's brother, said that um, the hyoid bone, um, for it to be broken, that suggests murder, not suicide. I got in touch with another American pathologist. I said, is this true? And she did a retrospective study of 168 people who had committed suicidal hangings. And in 68%, more than two-thirds, the hyoid bone was broken. And that increased the older the person. So when people say Jeffrey Epstein was murdered in prison, in my view, that's not the truth. That's conspiracy bollocks. I would like to ask before we, as an addendum, as an as an as a, as a uh, uh, um, yes, as a as an addendum to the main case, there is something that has literally kept me up at night, 
constantly trying to really get to the heart of it, which is the famous, famous Donald Trump quote, which is, I wish her well. And it is an extraordinary moment, I think, when you're describing someone as the president of the United States, regardless of Trump's complete and utter, well, I guess, dereliction of, of, of duty in any normal circumstances to what we had perceived as the professional defamation of a president of the United States. But this moment was, I think, the sort of stuff of conspiracy theory dreams, because almost immediately that it happened, you know, Twitter was awash. Is he really saying, is the real election for whoever basically wins will have enough evidence from this individual to bury the other? Because no doubt in all the higher echelons of, you know, Washington, whatever they were, you know, blue or red, there seems to have been individuals that were, um, involved. So, John, you've obviously looked into this in great depth. What do you make of that statement? Um, well, I've spoken to somebody um, who said it's kind of like mafia code. Mm. Uh, you, um, you be nice to me, and I'll be nice to you. I wish mm. you well. She's a woman who's effectively charged with the sex trafficking of underage girls um, for a convicted paedophile. Um, so, I, by the way, Epstein wasn't convicted, to correct myself, Epstein wasn't convicted for the, um, between 94 and 97, which is what she's currently charged with. Never mind. What Trump said struck me as being entirely wrong for an elected official or anybody, never mind the President of the United States. Um, it's very, very creepy. There is a suggestion that he might pardon her Mm. Um, um, and what's strange about this is that is it possible and I don't think the American system has ever come across this before can you pardon somebody who hasn't actually been convicted of anything this is like a pre-pardon not that they've been found guilty gone through the proper process of law and then been cleared because of their services to the community in other way yes um, yes that's true that's a big one my feeling is that she'll, uh, that Trump won't do that because he may well want to uh, presumptively pardon his uh, his kids, um, Ivanka, mm. um, uh, Donald Trump Jr., Eric, um, and and if he goes to the woman who's accused of um, um, supplying underage sex um, slaves to Epstein, he cheapens. Uh, what he's doing. So I don't think that will happen. But, and, and, I, and I said this, Jelaine Maxwell denies all six charges and she believed, and she said and her family believe her that uh, she's um, entirely innocent. She denies any wrongdoing. I think personally that the evidence against her is damning. I don't see how you can be somebody's lover, which she was with Epstein and uh, live with him and spend an awful long time with him, maybe longer than a decade, and not realize what, what, um, what he liked doing sexually, which was um, abusing underage girls. However, I think it's more likely than not, even though I think she's guilty, that she will be found not guilty. Because in a, 
across the world you can buy justice, but in America you can really buy justice, or do I mean injustice? And on that cheery note, um, just on the matter of the suicide or not, suicide or murder or something else. My view is suicide. He was was a, a clever man and he knew this time he was screwed. This his money, um, so he'd already been convicted, but he got a sweetheart deal. This time he was uh, in in awful trouble, and he was clever enough uh, to play the system. Uh, he there was reports of one suicide attempt, and he did it the second time. It's often, I mean, um, people like him, sociopathic, psychopathic. Um, then they're not timid people. They're brave. Mm-hmm. To kill yourself requires requires some degree of, uh, of of physical courage. The same, I think, with Robert Maxwell. I think he killed himself. No question. So I, I think I, I land where John does on that as well. Do we? I, do we I, have do a dissent from John? Just, it, you make very convincing arguments, but for me, there is still too many people who have too much to lose and i do agree that i mean i think the thing that you've really made me think about is that was it actually better for them if he was alive than dead um and i think that is an extremely convincing argument but for me and i do also i think i'm not sure i'd really really spent enough time thinking about a man who was clearly you know as horrendous as he was hyper intelligent you know pedophiles don't have a great time in prison you know i I think he probably would have made that calculation but for me i'm not going to say actually that i definitely think but i'm still definitely on the fence i I, i'm yet to be convinced i I think you're allowed to stay on the fence the one and only john sweeney thank you so much for joining us john um in the incredibly unlikely event that people don't already follow you and all your social media where can people find you uh, yeah, I, I knock around on Twitter under John Sweeney Raw, spelt R O A R, in homage to my losing my temper with the Church of Scientology. So, and Jolian, where can they find you? Uh, it's at Jolian Rubes or Jolian Rubs for anyone who's not dyslexic and realizes that might actually be slightly problematic about, you know, a year and a half in, uh, which is J O L Y O N R U B S. I'm not joking, guys. I mean, I literally put it as Jolian Rubes and was like, then people were like, why? Why are you saying Julian Rupps? And I was like, it doesn't say that, guys. <laughs> it's like you're dyslexic. You can't spell cat. You should never have been put in charge of a Twitter account. Um, and James, <laughs> where can they find you? So they can find me at JamesRBUK. And do remember, if we're not back for season two, then both me and Jolian and his problematic Twitter handle have probably yeah. been killed and replaced by body doubles. Do not believe anyone who says otherwise. I just want to say as well, like, thank you so much for, you know, coming uh, on this journey with us already. We know that, you know, there's been over, you know, 15,000 of you who've, uh, you know, who've connected with the podcast already. We knew this would be, um, you know, we wanted it to be a podcast which was more about about, um, you know, really getting into these topics. And the amazing thing is that there are just literally hundreds and hundreds more. Um, But thank you so much for listening. Please, please, uh, as I've said before, it really does
does make a difference when you give it a five-star rating. And if you'd like the podcast to keep coming back, um, then we really need those from you. So that our lizard, shape-shifting, reptilian, Pizzagate-loving, moon-landing, pretentious, Stanley Kubrick-filming overlords can hopefully commissioners for series two thank you so much i believe this will come out on the 1st of january 2021 so have a fantastic beginning of the year with your hangover john will be absolutely uh shit at that point won't you john beginning of 2021 you'll probably be in a ditch won't you at that point uh, well, thank you very much for predicting that <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and i will do uh, whatever is required of me uh, my least <laughs>